welcome to the Wesley Memorial Podcast. Join us this Sunday at 1225 Chestnut Drive in High Point. Visit us on the web at wesleymemorial.org. Now here is this week's message. I invite you to take your Bibles, if you will, and turn to the 10th chapter of the book of Acts, the 5th book in the New Testament. The Acts, of course, is the Acts of the Apostles. Sometimes I prefer to call it the Acts of the Holy Spirit in the lives of the Apostles and the lives of the earliest Christian community. Our text for the morning for the baptism of our Lord Sunday is found in Acts chapter 10. And in a few moments, I'll begin reading at verse 34. Church, if, if you have invited the Spirit of Jesus Christ into your heart, into your lives, if you have yielded your life to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, then you are part of the mystical body of Christ. That's who the Apostle Paul in the New Testament says we are. We're the body of Christ. And we know what that means. To be the body of Christ, that means that we are the very physical presence of Jesus Christ in the world. We're the only physical presence now of Jesus Christ in the world. We are the physical presence, the body of Christ in the world, animated by the Spirit of Christ in the world. We are the sacrament, the church. We are the sacrament of God's presence and activity in the world today. That's who we are. Sometimes we focus too much on what we do when we should focus more on who we are because what we do as faithful followers of Jesus Christ is all because of who we are. Who it is that the Holy Spirit has formed us into being. We are the body of Christ, the physical presence, the only presence of Jesus physically now in the world. We are the sacrament of God's presence and activity in the world. Perhaps you recall that in our Lord's Sermon on the Mount in Matthew 5, Jesus does not say that we should be salt and light in a city set upon a hill. He says we are salt and light in the city set upon the hill. We are, as the body of Christ in the world, we are salt. We are God's work of preservation in this world, of flavoring in this world as we flavor the world with the very fragrance of the Holy Spirit. We are salt. We are light. And in the New Testament, almost every time Jesus refers to either he being the light of the world or us being the light of the world, the article is there where it says the light. We are the light of the world. We are perhaps the only light in the darkness of this world. That's who Jesus declares us to be. That's who we are. And Jesus says that as his followers... We're not like a city set on the hill. He says we are a city set on the hill. The world is watching us. The world knows 
you're here this morning. Your neighbors know you're here this morning. Your family knows you're here this morning. Unlike the majority of Americans, you're in church today because to you, to me, today is the Lord's day. It's not my day to do whatever it is I want to do on this day. It is the Lord's day, so we as the body of Christ gather for worship and admonition and nurture and empowering to be the body of Christ in the world. Have you ever been told that you don't look like your picture? I know that it's hard to believe now, that, but years ago, all the way back to when I was in seminary, I had a full head of hair and a, and a beard. Well, long after the hair was gone in both places, my picture was still there on my driver's license. And almost every time someone looked at my driver's license, they'd look at me and say, you, you don't look like your picture. The book of Acts is the picture of what the earliest Christian community looked like. And we need to make sure that we look like our picture. And by the way, when you look at the book of Acts or 1 Corinthians and other places in the New Testament, you'll see that the earliest Christian community certainly was not a perfect community. Just like us, they had their problems. Just like us, they had their divisions. But it was clear when you look at the New Testament, particularly the book of Acts, they were faithful followers of Jesus Christ. Above all else in life, they wanted to be faithful followers of Jesus Christ. So that's why I think it's so important that we study the book of Acts to get a glimpse of what our picture looks like so that we can try as well as we can to conform to our picture. So our text this morning is found in Acts chapter 10. I'll begin reading at verse 34. It is a sermon, probably will be the shortest sermon you've ever read. We don't get any ideas. Most of us assume this is a condensed version of what Peter said on this day. But you'll hear Peter's sermon on this day. He is located in Caesarea Maritima on the Mediterranean shore of present-day Israel. He is in the process of taking the gospel to the Gentile world. And we should pay attention, particularly when the New Testament is telling us and showing us how the good news of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, went to the Gentile world. Because I suspect all of us in this room are Gentiles. We're not Jewish by nature, we're Gentiles. And I'm so glad that even before Peter and Paul left the scene of the earliest Christian community, they were already taking the gospel to the Gentiles beyond the Jewish community there in Jerusalem. And I'm grateful that the message, the word of the gospel, has come all the way to High Point, North Carolina, for Gentiles like you and me. So here in this text, we are hearing... Peter preached one of his representative sermons to the Gentile community. They're gathered in Cornelius' house, probably. He was the Gentile centurion, the soldier, the Roman soldier that has just been converted to Jesus Christ. And Peter stands up to preach. And by the way, if we were to continue reading the text, you'll see the Holy Spirit fall 
and fill and empower this group of Gentiles. But look with me for just a few moments at our text and hear Peter's preaching. Acts chapter 10, I'll begin reading at verse 34. Then Peter, then Peter began to speak to them. And Peter said, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. Or if you prefer, God shows no favoritism. Now people, particularly people in the Western culture today, they, they, they like this verse. God shows no partiality. But I want you to notice the text. God welcomes everyone. God's ex- God accepts everyone. But it's clear in the text that God does not leave you where God finds you. He welcomes you. He receives you to begin the journey toward complete transformation into the image of Jesus Christ. But Peter does, because he's preaching to Gentiles, he starts off his sermon by saying, I truly understand that God shows no partiality. But in every nation, anyone who fears him, that really means reverences him, honors him, respects him, that implies a a right relationship with God. He says, but in every nation, anyone who fears God and does what is right or righteous is acceptable to God. Then he begins to preach the message of the early Christians. You know the message he sent to the people of Israel preaching peace by Jesus Christ. And then he defines Jesus Christ for his hearers. Should they not know, he says, he is Lord of all. Verse 37, that message spread throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John announced, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, And in some ways, those are synonymous with the Holy Spirit and with power. How he went about, how he, he, Jesus, went about doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. For God was with him. We are witnesses, Peter says. We are witnesses to all that he did, both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They put him, Jesus, to death by hanging him on a tree, the cross, But God raised him on the third day and allowed him to appear, not to all the people, but to us, who were chosen chosen by God as witnesses. There's that word again, witnesses. And who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead. So witnesses are just people who are telling of their experience with the living Christ. Verse 42 Peter says, he, Jesus, commanded us to preach to the people and to testify. There really is the word again, witness, testify. To testify that he is the one ordained by God as judge of the living and judge of the dead. And then he wraps it up by saying all the prophets who have gone before testify or witness about him that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name or through his spirit or through his power. This is a typical first century sermon from the apostles. They proclaim Jesus. Then they also point out that this Jesus did what this Jesus did in fulfillment of scripture, which for them would have been what we call the Old Testament, the Hebrew Bible. And then there's the call. 
that comes at the end of the sermon. There's the call to follow Jesus, and it is a call to receive forgiveness of sin. It is a call to repentance. That's a word that occurs throughout the book of Acts. It's in all of the preaching of the earliest Christian community, the call to repent. The call to repent, if you want to follow Jesus, means that you change. You turn. You turn away from self and sin, and you turn toward God, and you follow the will of God uh, more than you desire to follow your own will, since you've yielded to the Lordship of Christ. So that's the way the earliest apostles preached. They proclaimed Christ. They showed that he came in fulfillment of the scriptures. And then they would make the invitation to the people in their hearing. So that's an example of the earliest Christian preaching. Church, I hope that you understand that coming here this morning was very much a revolutionary act. Most of Americans are not doing what you're doing this morning. Coming here this morning and gathering in this place for the worship of this Jesus Christ is a revolutionary act. And the world doesn't understand what it is we are doing, but I will promise you the world is watching. Even those people close to you in your life, they're watching. They know where you're at this morning probably. They know that you are in church you have joined with the body of Christ in this place because that's who you seek to be. And because that's who you seek to be, that means you seek to live in a certain way. We are those people who are called to live in the spirit of Christ and to constantly, continually bear witness to the reality of Jesus Christ, the good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm oftentimes reminded what St. Francis, or at least what is attributed to St. Francis, he supposedly said one time, preach the gospel at all times, and when necessary, use words. It is important that we proclaim Jesus by the way we act. It is important that we preach the gospel by the way we act, because for a lot of people, particularly in this Western culture today, you and me, we may be the only Bible that some people ever read, so it's important that we preach or proclaim Jesus Christ by the way that we act. But notice St. Francis does say, when necessary, use words. Like the psalmist said, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. We need to make sure that as Christ followers, we are proclaiming, preaching Jesus by the way we act, even by the way we think, by our attitudes. But when necessary, use words. Make sure the people around you know that you're doing what it is you're doing. You are organizing your life in the way that you're organizing your life because of your devotion to Jesus Christ. And make sure you understand, I hope all of us understand, that we are living, breathing witnesses to Jesus Christ. And I know when I was a district superintendent and uh, we would sit around on the cabinet with the bishop and talk about how rapidly our Methodist churches in the West are declining, unlike our Methodist churches in other parts of the world, we frequently would talk about how for the people called Methodist, it is sometimes referred to as the E word. Because Methodists don't want to even say evangelism. But we're called to be witnesses to the reality of Jesus Christ, the joy 
of living life in the presence of Jesus Christ. And everything that we are and everything that we do bears witness to this faith. People know where we are today. People know what we're doing today. We are a city set upon the hill whether we want to be or not. We are called to live and to die as witnesses of Jesus Christ. The only thing it means to witness to Jesus Christ is we do exactly what Peter and Paul and the earliest Christians did. We just tell our story. We tell our story about our experience or experiences with this Jesus. And I suspect that all of us here in this room today we, if we look back over our lives, and sometimes it's easier with hindsight as we look back over our lives, we can look back over our lives and see how it is that God in Christ has been working in our lives. How we have been experiencing the reality of Jesus Christ, particularly as we look back over our lives and we think about the times of trial and challenge in our lives, we notice that in some ways, Jesus was with us. In some ways, Jesus was sustaining us and changing us in those moments. C.S. Lewis called it the intolerable compliment that God will keep messing with us and fooling with us until we become like Jesus. God will keep through the power of his spirit working in our lives to more and more and more transform us into the image of Jesus Christ as we grow up into the image of Jesus Christ. So you have a story. I pray that all of us here at Wesley Memorial will be winsome, tactful, persuasive, convincing, loving witnesses to Jesus Christ. The world around us today desperately needs the body of Christ to live as the body of Christ in this world. City set on a hill, salt and light. I suspect that because you're here today you understand that the greatest adventure in life is living and dying as a sold-out, spirit-filled follower of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest gift we've been given to live as a follower of Jesus Christ in this world and to make our transition from this world to the next as a follower of Jesus Christ. I hope, church, that when people in our community think about Wesley Memorial Church, they don't just think about that beautiful rock edifice that sits on Chestnut Drive. I hope and I pray that they think about all of the sold-out, spirit-filled followers of Jesus Christ who are transforming High Point and beyond. In a few moments, you will have an opportunity to reaffirm your baptismal vows. For those of you that have been baptized, you'll have an opportunity to reaffirm your baptism here on the baptism of our Lord Sunday, almost at the beginning of a new year. You'll be able not only to do the revolutionary act of showing up in this place, you'll do the revolutionary act of stepping out and coming forward to publicly proclaim yourself to be a follower of Jesus Christ. May that truly be 
who we all are. Amen.